it helps you solve a lot of different SEO problems by applying different scientific or data science tests to that data. Are you ready to learn? Because my super experienced guests are ready to share some really valuable information. Make sure and listen all the way to the end to get help and support. So let's start with the best audio experience. Hello, good people. Welcome to our show. Hello, bad people. Welcome to our show. Hello, my friends. Welcome, welcome. Today we are going to discuss more about ACO, especially we are going to touch about the power of data in ACO. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Andreas Fanatis. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me, Anatoly. Happy pleasure. I need to get new skills, new knowledge. I'm a student on this life, so I found the more I learn, the more I understand that I need. I learn a lot more. <laughs> like I remember Socrates said about that. Uh, I know that I know nothing. <laughs> and then, you know, uh, I found in marketing, digital marketing, in ASIO, many topics you can learn. You can become an expert. But you can't stop uh, learning because many things are coming fast. You need to update, to go ahead. And uh, the main goal to be better than others. You can't learn everything. It's impossible to know everything. And really, if you know uh, a lot, you understand that you need to learn a lot more. <laughs> Andreas, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background, and anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you. Yeah, sure. Thank you, Anatoly. Uh, I uh, started SEO around 2003. I retrained in data science around 10 years ago, probably more like 12 years ago now. And uh, that gave me uh, a new, different way of understanding SEO, uh, especially when you learn a computing language like Python, you have a lot more sympathy for how search engines have to go about doing their job, which is to uh, find, discover content, uh, evaluate it, and then rank it in, in response to a search query. And that's taken me to this journey in the last Three, four years, I started writing a book, uh, which was down to COVID. I decided I had all, all this extra time. So I thought, well, I've got all this extra time. I've got this these uh, uh, you know, this code that helps uh, automate and make better sense of data for SEO. Uh, so I decided to write a book, uh, which got published by Springer uh, on data-driven SEO. And uh, here I am today. Nice. Awesome. Awesome. I love reading books. I want to confess, I didn't read any book about SEO. I read a lot of books about marketing, <laughs> but uh, I don't know why. Uh, I ignored many books in SEO because m many other great books. Uh, I, I love learning about SEO. I read uh, a lot of blog posts, uh, listen to audio podcasts, but I don't know why, but <laughs> I didn't read any books. So, but uh, I love this format. Probably your book will be first. And, uh, but I need a strong reason. Can you give me the strong reason? What kind of benefits can I get? My uh, audience can get by reading your book. What kind of value we can get? Because without value, uh, people don't want to waste their time. So tell about your book, benefits, <laughs> what we can get by reading your book. Sure. Um, well, first of all, uh, you can save a lot of time. Uh, like, for example, uh, people can often spend uh, a few days trying to cluster keywords by search intent. And uh, by using the code in my book, you could do that in an hour or less. Mm -hmm. 
So that can save you a lot of time. And that's just one of the things. Uh, it can help you identify uh, really high value keywords, again, using statistical modeling. Um, you know, you could do all, you can automate the extraction of, of those keywords and using statistical modeling, you can identify that. Again, you could do that in uh, a couple of hours instead of a day or two days. Uh, so really this book is a time saver, but it's not just the time it saves. It's also the, um, I don't know if accuracy or precision uh, is, is the quality of the work is much higher as well, because obviously uh, the, the analysis is statistical and is therefore more likely to be of higher value as opposed to using inconsistent rules or, you know, I would argue that best practice SEO is virtually dead and it's all about data-driven SEO because at the end of the day, search engines are data-driven. So why wouldn't your SEO be data-driven? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with you about best practices. I think uh, it's not like that, but you don't need to follow all best practices. It depends on your strong side. For example, if someone is good with writing, uh, I mean like uh, uh, case studies, for example, I know some specialists who can write great case studies uh, and uh, why they need to uh, write something else, you know. So, like, it's better to pay attention to your strong side and your passion. Uh, but uh, if uh, someone is good with creating tools and best practices can tell you need to write blog posts, just create tools, you can get a lot of results with that. So, for me... Uh, best practices, uh, I, I love reading best practices. I, I learn them, but I, I usually brainstorm. Can I do it or not? It's my passion or not? Uh, mm. And I remember when I started my uh, LinkedIn journey, I decided to uh, promote my LinkedIn accounts. I, I read a, lo a lot of best practices and tried to replicate all of them. And then I got it. It's not for me. Uh, most mm. of them... Uh, are not related to my strong sides. I love uh, live streaming like we can do right now, you know, to chat with great experts. I like uh, uh, writing uh, long posts, but in most best practices where uh, you need to write short blog po uh, short posts. So I think it depends. And uh, ignore it. Ignore it if it's not related to your strong side. Stand out from the rest. <laughs> you know, it's like marketing. You know, marketing, you need to be yourself. And Andreas, you mentioned about Keywords. Can you tell how to find the right keywords? Uh, because I I see when webmasters still chase high volume keywords or uh, uh, create content with topics that have thousand other pages, you know, with high quality content, it's hard to overcome mm. that. Uh, so, any tips about finding the right keywords? Yeah, definitely. I, I think. Uh... There's two situations, right? So if you're starting out and you're a startup and you don't have a lot of data, then getting keywords from Google Search Console is not going to be of value to you. But what you can do is you can take uh, position data from SEMrush or Ahrefs on your competitors. And um, as detailed in my book, if you were to look for common keywords that get traffic, say from any two or three or more competitors selected at random, you can, you can write Python code to automate that for you and work this out. And then you'll have a common uh, deduplicated list of common keywords that your competitors are getting traffic from. 
So that's one way of doing it if you're a startup. Now, if you're a big brand, then Google Search Console is a really good source of keywords. But the thing is, you don't want to make the mistake of looking for keywords that you already get traffic and impressions for. What you're looking for are keywords that, um, that actually get a lot of impressions uh, for, their rank, for their ranking position. For example, you might find a keyword that you're ranking, say, 29 for, is getting a lot of impressions versus other keywords ranking 29 or page three of Google, for example. So using statistical modeling, and this is all detailed in my book, uh, you can model the amount of impressions uh, to see what is normal for that, for, for say, um, you know, page three of Google. And any keywords that have uh, one or two standard deviations above the average uh, for keywords that are ranked on page three, then you know that keyword is going to be uh, a, a grower for your business. Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. Andreas, you have background in uh, data science. I think it's the most important skills today you know, <laughs> at any niche. If you uh, have not this background, it's better to learn uh, and play with AI. Uh, and um, in ACO, I use a lot AI tools. I use before ChatGPT. Today, I can use a lot more uh, because it's a great tool. Uh, and uh, once I spoke with uh, Jeff Coyle, co-founder of Market Muse, and he told me in the future, we will have three companies. The first company will develop AI. The second company implement and the third company will be obsolete. Who can leave the trade, you know, <laughs> to their competitors? So can you tell how to use AI today? Because Google, okay, Google changed the policy uh, and it's not like uh, against AI, but the last update is against AI. So I don't know what kind uh, of update it is so we will see but anyway uh google uh doesn't like it uh so tell how to use ai in the smart way to get results i, I think the smart way to use ai is to use it as a an ideation uh, as part of the ideation process so you know rather than um it's a shortcut if you think about what uh chat gpt and other llms have done uh is that they've they've created the shortcut from typing in something in the search engine and getting 10 blue links to actually distilling all of that into a paragraph. So, you know, you can do things like, um, like use prompts in chat GPT uh, to sort of say, well, you know, ask, you know, what, what, what should an article on this subject cover? And then you can ask chat GPT to sort of uh, write some content uh, for each of those sections within an article. But obviously, you need a human element to make sure that uh, whatever ChatGPT has produced is uh, factually correct and accurate and obviously fits the tone of voice uh, of your brand uh, or your startup. So that's how I would go. That's one of the ways I would go about using ChatGPT. Uh, I've seen a case where a um, rubbish removal firm uh, were 100% rely, relying on ChatGPT to write all of their articles, and they ended up having to uh, submit a uh, 
re-inclusion request into Google uh, because they didn't have that human editor process. So uh, beware, uh, Google is cracking down on this, but there are smart ways, just like one of the ways that I've outlined of using ChatGPT to create content. Yeah, yeah, um, I agree. I think it's better to edit, uh, to check manually. I usually do it, but I never generate content with AI without feeding AI with the right data. So, you know, for example, when uh, I collect data, I usually collect data myself. And uh, for example, I, I do it for press releases. Uh, we, we use the strategy like link building strategy and we got mentioned on CNN, Business Insider, many other great resources. And it's interesting, we always edit on ChatGPT. Uh, my prompt is simple, please edit my uh, text because I'm a terrible writer, <laughs> you know, ChatGPT <laughs> can write much better than me, but ChatGPT can't collect data like I can. Mm. <laughs> I can spend time to get this data uh, to write a bad copy, very bad copy, but uh, ChatGPT can provide a good job. My prompt like, uh, please write, uh, edit this press release in the format like Forbes, CNN can use some, mm. and this tool can do it. This tool can yeah. edit in the great way, but... Uh, uh, this tool doesn't find data. I, I do it. I spend mm. time you now to collect this data, to feed with the right data, and we get great results. Um, I, I love editing on ChatGPT. Mm. Uh, I don't know what kind of future will be. Uh, of course, it's good for uh, finding ideas. Why not? Yeah, I collect ideas, but I usually... Uh, and, you know, for me personally, I don't know how to uh, even... Uh, edit uh, the, uh, any results on ChatGPT without having experience in writing. Because um, uh, if you can't write, you can't understand what kind of content you got. Now, so if you don't spend time to make your hands dirty, to write a lot, uh, to uh, have experience with that, it's hard to write the right prompts. It's hard to check and analyze data. Uh, we still need people you know, who can uh, handle oh, the process. 100%. I always say, and this has been going on since the age of search, uh, since search engines have, have come on. It's, it's not so much the answers that are important, but the questions you ask. And I think with ChatGPT, this has really underlined that point or the value of, of asking the right questions even more. Yeah, of course, of course, yeah. And I, I don't use uh, best practices uh, because, you know, uh, it depends on the queries in the uh, getting results. I can uh, start with my prompts. Uh, uh, by the way, I usually write about my, um, about data of my uh, readers. For example, demographic data, interest, hobbies. Yeah, I can write like, uh, please uh, edit this text for uh, readers in the US, uh, like 30, 40 years, uh, most uh, female. It, so it depends, I can write, you know, I can ask mm. about uh, exact uh, buying uh, or uh, reader persona. Then um, uh, if I get results, I usually play a lot more. Oh, oh, no, 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 please rewrite it, find something else, change it. Yeah, I can spend like uh, 30 minutes just to use this prompts. But if I write myself, 
it will take like a few days, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, hundred percent. It 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 makes total sense to use uh, LLMs like ChatGPT. It's it's a missed opportunity if you're not. Um, you know, it it's now. It's not so much uh, the tool now. It's how you can be smart with the tool and use mm -hmm. it to your advantage. Yeah, nice, um, Andreas. I opened your LinkedIn profile. Because I okay. love opening LinkedIn profiles, you know. <laughs> and right. yeah, what I can see in your bio, let me read it. We help startups grow uh, sustainability and exponentially using SEO science. Can you tell more about SEO science? What kind of SEO science you mean? And uh, how to get 200% SEO royal guarantee? So more insights about that. <laughs> yeah, sure. So SEO science is really the opposite of... Um... SEO best practice, you know, mm -hmm. SEO best practice is quite anecdotal. Of course, not everything can be, you know, the data isn't available for everything to be uh, data science SEO. So sometimes you do have to revert to best practice. That's why I always say uh, best practice SEO is virtually dead. Um, so by the reason we're, we're able to put ourselves in a position legally and offer 200% ROI on all of our SEO campaigns uh, is because um, we, we take the data. So every, every first of all, every business uh, or startup is in a different position relative to their competitors. And uh, the other thing is, is that every industry or market is different. So by taking a data-driven approach, we're giving um, very, very contextualized and critical path recommendations to all of the businesses that we work with. And that means that we get results sooner or later. Mm -hmm. And can you tell your methods how to collect data? Uh, because, you know, you mentioned about SEMrush, IHRS, and for me, it's a big trap when webmasters use only these tools without spending more time, you know, to collect the right data. So tell your methods how to do it right. Because, you know, I love more methods before digital <laughs> when marketers spend time with customers you know to learn about them to collect data in different resources but mm. today a, ma many tools can provide the average data that are not related to your uh, specific cases any tips about collecting data well i think i think the first thing is with uh, seo you need scale so you need a lot of data especially if you want to do statistical modeling which requires disease at sample size. So I think that's the first thing. Now, uh, I agree that if you just uh, solely rely on one tool, such as SEMrush or Ahrefs, um, it's a bit of a trap, as you say, because that is just numbers or data, right? But you need to apply some mathematical processes uh, to, like ChatGPT, you need to ask the right questions of the data. You know, you need to set a hypothesis and you need to, you need to test the hypothesis with statistical modeling. And that's what my book uh, covers. Um, so it, um, it, it helps you solve a lot of different SEO problems uh, by, by, uh, by applying different scientific or data science tests to that data uh, so that you can, you can generate the recommendations that are actually going to make a difference to your website's visibility. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Andreas, um, you know, it's interesting in marketing, it's important to stand out from the rest. 
in SEO, I often see when uh, content creators uh, do the same because of user intent. Uh, for example, they check out the, the top 10 results, can see, okay, my competitors do like this, I can uh, replicate, just rewrite to add more data, but it's the same content. Can you tell how to be creative, how to stand out from the rest in ACO? <laughs> yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, it's a common thing that a lot of SEOs, they look at the top 10 um, and they look for common elements. Uh, I would look at the top 10 for sure. I would look at the common elements, but I would also look at the things that perhaps nobody is consistently covering, i.e. the sections uh, that maybe one or two are covering, but the rest are not covering, because so, ultimately you want the ultimate content. But the other thing is, um, I would also look at the losers, because uh, by looking at the losers, you can validate whether the top 10 uh, are doing things that the losers aren't doing. And in my book on competitor analysis, uh, I show how a machine learning model can be used to validate that whatever the actual parts that the top 10 are doing in their SEO and their content that the rest of the uh, websites are not doing. And it's through that machine learning, you get consistent guidelines as to what's working, and what's not working. So I'm not sure how much more creative that will help you become but at least you'll have a much more repeatable formula for ranking top for your target keywords. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, love it, love it. You know, uh, for example, um, uh, you know, uh, I think, uh, I, I, I remember when uh, one of my clients asked me what I can do, I, I, I gave advice, you need to start a podcast. And he replied to me, why? My competitors don't do it. It's a big opportunity, you know, if your competitors ignore something, it's a big chance to overcome mm -hmm. them, to get results. And uh, uh, I think, yeah, uh, you you share a great uh, tip about that. You need to do something differently. And uh, uh, because uh, when website owners do the same, they try to overcome a strong side of their competitors. For example, if someone uh, is ranking in the top 10 results uh, because uh, these companies deserve these ranking positions, they spend time with content creation, with link building, many other uh, uh, brand recognition. They deserve, yeah, and it's hard. It's hard to overcome them. But I usually search for uh, outdated content, lack of quality content. Uh, and if I see uh the opportunity we can create something much better then yeah we, we add to our content plan if we can't i ignore it if i can create another uh, content like this uh, <laughs> why google needs to rank me you know yeah uh, I, I usually spend more time with creating uh, content plan. can you tell your tips how to create a content plan i mean like how to find the right strategy because uh one more thing what i can see when uh uh, webmasters add like thousand keywords, uh, hundred thousand keywords in you know, order content plan, but having one, two copywriters on their team, you know, <laughs> it's hard, you know, to create yeah. a lot of content at scale. So, any tips about that? I, I think there's a couple of tips. Uh, I won't repeat myself on the tip I gave earlier about using SEMrush data and finding what the common keywords were to help the content plan. So, that's definitely one method, but the the other method you could use is you could statistically model 
SEMrush data on any one of your competitors. And you can, what you can do is you can model the amount of traffic or impressions they're getting. And then you can look for those that are getting above the average, like maybe one standard deviation above the, the average search volume or traffic. And then that will give you some clues as to how you can get some content. But that, you know, there's some lo-fi methods as well, like simply um, taking surveys of your target audiences, finding out what they care about. I know it's not very data science, but, uh, you know, usually your target audience will give you the benefit of their time if you can offer something of value in return. Uh, for example, if you're looking to, um, if, you, if, if you want to try and understand uh, uh, your audience more find out what they want or what they really want and see if you can offer that in return uh, for 20 minutes of their time going through a survey trying to understand you know what gets them out of bed in the morning uh, what do they think of at night uh, you know what what are their key challenges and things like that and that that's plenty of content I think plenty of data especially when when you do a hundred of those interviews uh, you can really understand uh, you know, what kind of content you should be producing. Nice. I, I think if you can understand or know what your audience can think before tonight, you know, you can <laughs> make a, a great job, you know, to learn about your audience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, you mentioned a lot about data. Uh, you wrote a book about data. Uh, on your LinkedIn profile, I can see data, data. So, uh, but can you tell how to collect enough data. Uh, it's interesting what um, I spoke with a few data experts and they told me uh, collecting more data can confuse more than help. And uh, for example, let me share one uh, short story about Jeff Bezos. Once he got uh, a team, a research team, and uh, this research team asked to give more time to learn about new product. Uh, and he denied, he told no. Uh, nobody knows. We need to uh, test, to experiment. We have enough mm -hmm. data. And this product called Alexa. Today, almost all homes in the US have this product, Alexa. And uh, it's interesting, Jeff Bezos uh, had intuition to understand it's enough to learn about uh, customers. Can you tell how to find this balance between enough or more data or less data? I have no idea about that. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 quite a tough question actually. <laughs> and I, I but I, I have come across this in situations where uh, more data is not necessarily the answer. It's it's more about uh, what, how can you make that data higher quality? Like for example, um, although uh, I have yet to see it in any kind of uh, SEO competitor tool. Uh, I don't. I haven't seen a metric where it looks at the overlap between the title tag and the target keyword, you know, and finding out what the percentage matches between the two. So, uh, you know, even though it's not a metric that's offered by by uh, SEO tools, um, that, that you know, that's just one example of how you can make that same data higher quality by being creative with the questions you ask, you know, and setting yourself hypotheses on, okay, well, you know, what are the ranking factors or what do you think the ranking factors are? Uh, what 
new data columns can we create in order to test that hypothesis? Mm -hmm. uh, you mentioned about headlines, specifically about uh, MetaTag title, and uh, I use still use old school to add my keyword, main keyword to the titles because uh, users, when they are looking for keywords, uh, they can uh, so, uh, open the top 10 results. And uh, uh, if they see uh, the same keyword, uh, the chance of click um, increased a lot. But Google doesn't recommend it, just right for human being. Uh, what do you think about old school? <laughs> is it a good idea? Uh, uh, I, I like old school. And yeah. uh, the other thing is, is that uh, in my book, I've shown how you can use code to use the mm -hmm. Google Search Console API and find uh, additional keywords that can help you use that old school technique and help you get more traffic and higher rankings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some techniques I can use, uh, for example, I can uh, write the main keyword in the first uh, 100 words. <laughs> it's my habit. Uh, it's not like uh, that can help a lot, but uh, according to some data, bounce rate is high. Uh, plus 50% of people bounce fast. And when they open uh, your page, uh, you need to give a strong reason that your page is relevant to their search. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> that's why I usually use uh, keywords. In... It's not like written for uh, Google. It's written for human mm -hmm. being, but I still add it. <laughs> yeah, just, just let them know that they're in the right place. I, I think there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, um, when I used to, a very long time ago, run... Uh, Google ad campaigns, uh, when it was called AdWords, uh, you know, the quality score, and I'm sure that's still the same case, uh, relied on having the actual keyword uh, on, you know, above the fold so that it, it was apparent to users that, um, you know, when they search for something, they land on the keyword, they see the ad which has the keyword, and then they land on the page and it has the keyword so that they know that, um, you know, they're not wasting their time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nice, nice. Andreas, I want to ask about mistakes, uh, especially in ASIO mistakes. Um, I do a lot of them. Uh, I, I did a lot of mistakes. I keep doing them because I think it's hard to understand uh, how to do it right from the first attempt. For example, I remember when I decided to... Uh, to use press releases like a link building technique. And I wrote a bunch of press releases. I pitched all of them, got zero mentions, zero links, spent a lot of time, but I acquired experience how it works. I found the way it's not like to write and pitch. It's more to be creative and uh, pitch the right people, you know, if you mm. want to get results. And today I have the process. Uh, I, I outsource specialists who can write great, great press releases and uh, I have specialists who can pitch them. Uh, even uh, I'm not a big expert, but uh, when you do such mistakes, you can learn how it works. You can understand the process. Uh, and I usually recommend to all my clients to understand the basic of SEO. If they don't, I, I don't know how to get results. We get results with someone who understands why we need to create high-quality content, why it's important to uh, get more traffic value than just a lot of <laughs> traffic, you know, without uh, covering the buying persona or sales funnel. Uh, can you list mistakes that companies can avoid from your experience? You, you see 
people do these mistakes, but they can avoid just to know about these mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the first mistake they can avoid is buying links. Uh, I think that's the first one. I think the second one is, um, you know, not following best practice SEO blindly. Like, for example, uh, best practice SEO dictates uh, that you sh your content should be uh, readily understood by a 10-year-old. Uh, what I found, for example, is that in the wedding industry, that might be true. But if you're, uh, if you're in the industry of selling highly technical products like uh, industrial lubricants or, or blockchain or legal services, then that, that's not going to work for, for SEO in that sector. Um, and, and also, you know, following outdated SEO practices like, for example, uh, or, or relying, uh, a, a really good example, last week uh, I spoke to a company that were relying on Google Search Console to, to put their site in the best technical SEO health. And uh, it made their site worse because they didn't fully understand SEO. Uh, I, I think if we're talking to SEO consultants, I think if you're going to do a technical audit, you should overlay your technical crawl data with analytics and backlink data and things like that. So you get a full contextual picture. So that's one of the mistakes I would say from a practitioner perspective. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yeah, you mentioned about link building. Uh, don't buy backlinks. And it's interesting. Um, I remember when I started my digital journey, uh, I used one simple technique. I bought more backlinks that my competitors had and Google ranked well. <laughs> that was like... I used to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in 2010. But I wouldn't do it now. <laughs> oh, you know, after the first Penguin in 2012 and since then, uh, I changed my strategy many times. <laughs> uh, I, started to learn more. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I started to learn about white hat SEO because, mm. yeah, Google pushed me forward <laughs> to learn about white techniques. And I think today it's not uh, the time to cheat the system. It's not True. the best time to game the system. Uh, this time is gone. Forget about that. You know, yeah, uh, you don't need thousand backlinks. You need even a few backlinks much better, but uh, quality backlinks relevant with white hat SEO. And yeah, use different techniques. And uh, it's interesting. Uh, it's not only my opinion. I, I checked uh, data, experts' opinions uh, that uh, Google are decreasing the impact of uh, backlinks. Uh, it's like TikTok. On TikTok, it's only one social media when you don't need to promote your content. Just film, great videos, film, 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 spend time. If you enjoy the process, you can get results. You now be consistent with that. Uh, and I spoke with uh, some TikTok experts. They, they don't spend time to promote any videos. You know, it's like um, on LinkedIn, you need, on Facebook, you need, but on TikTok, just, just film. And it's the same with uh, Google. I think Google understands uh, uh, much better today about high quality content uh, before that uh, link building uh, links can help to mm -hmm. give this recognition and today topical authority plays a lot more role it's not my opinion this expert opinion Andreas I want to ask about your experience uh, 
I, I, I love to ask this question because I have students in my network <laughs> who are looking for ways how to learn about ACO. Uh, I, uh, as I mentioned before, I have clients who don't understand SEO. I usually tell them, take my course, learn from Lily Ray, Jeff Coyle, Mike Phillips, go to YouTube, go to Google, find experts, uh, social media groups, listen to audio podcasts, find your loving format, but get the basic, learn it. If you learn, then we can get great yeah. results. It's the same with anything that I do. I, I spend some time. Uh, by failing with new methods to learn the basic and uh, then I understand do I need to go ahead or not you know probably um, digital marketing is huge you can find other channels if SEO uh, if you don't like SEO you know you can get great results on YouTube TikTok it doesn't matter just uh, I want to ask about your experience let's imagine it's your first day in SEO you didn't write any book <laughs> you didn't spend any time to create content. Uh, you, you just use Google before, <laughs> a few times, not a lot. So what will you do today if you started from scratch? Um, the first thing I would do is create your own website. I cannot believe how many people who work in SEO are advising uh, businesses or brands on how to improve their SEO. Uh, and have never tried their advice firsthand on their own website. Now, uh, let me ask you a question, Anatoly. Would you take advice from a driving instructor who hasn't got their driving license? Mm, it depends. <laughs> okay, let me, let me ask you a second question. Would you take advice from a driving instructor who's never driven a car before? Oh, of course not. Of course not. But there you go. Yeah. <laughs> and I see that a lot in, in a lot of marketing agencies. Yeah. You know, you've got exit SEO account. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, just, just at any level, uh, even at director level, uh, you know, they've never touched the website or never, never actually tried to sort of rank their own website and make changes. Yeah. I think even if it means trying to rank for, uncompetitive terms or made up keywords just to try and understand how SEO works firsthand and make some changes and experiment and and test and learn that that is where you truly um, will get uh, a feel for how SEO really works obviously you need to um, take courses I mean there weren't any courses when I started but uh, you know, like you say, read all the sort of leading authorities, read books, things like that. But most of all, test. Test what you read. That's the best way. Yeah, exactly. I love it. I I couldn't agree more because you can learn a lot. But if you do nothing, you get nothing. Um, and uh, uh, I think like Leo Messi, he prefers to hit a ball thousand times a day than to read a few books how to play something <laughs> <laughs> and it's it concerns anything anything you need to make your hands dirty it's better to learn less yeah uh, it, it's weird but it's true it's better to learn less because you uh, you can lose time to experiment to test and the best skills you can get from testing Mm. When you practice what you've learned and uh, the best experts, of course, they read books, of course, they learn, but they more 
they spend more, more time with practice, you know, by doing something. Uh, yeah, I love it. I couldn't agree more. And I think it concerns any niche. You need to test, experiment a lot more. And I usually use uh, the Pareto principle, you know, 20 and 80. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Uh, Yeah, I, I listen to audio podcasts, I read books, but in most cases, I do my stuff. And Andres, my final question about the future. I want to ask you, take your crystal ball and let us know <laughs> what kind of future will be because many things are coming, like, I don't know, uh, Apple is going to launch uh, augmented reality, this headset, I don't know how it looks, but I think it's the same, like, if you take your iPhone to watch the screen just to have on your <laughs> uh, uh, on your head. Uh, uh, probably virtual reality will come. I don't know. We have AI today. So predict what kind of future will be. <laughs> I, I, I think um, I think we're going to see a lot of augmented reality come, in, come to the fore. Uh, if you combine that, I think, yes, there's a lot of excitement and quite justifiably excitement around um, LLMs like ChatGPT. But you combine chat GPT with uh, augmented reality and automation, you're going to see some really smart businesses emerge that will challenge the likes of Amazon um, and Google. So I, I think, you know, even as a startup or, you know, any business, they should be, try they, they should be thinking about automation. Um, you know, when you think about, how LLMs can mimic the behavior of a human um, and, and then you've got augmented reality that could take that output and present it. You know, what if in the future that you and I are actually, actually um, virtual personas and we're actually both having a drink by, you know, at a beach bar somewhere uh, yeah. and this podcast is actually being run by holograms, you know, mm. <laughs> this is where the future is heading in fact um we, we might get to a point where we could create duplicate versions of ourselves but uh, so we could be in many places at the same time but this time we get to choose where we actually want to be in real time yeah nice awesome love it love it andres it's a big pleasure to get in the show to learn from you Otherwise. uh i recommend to anyone to follow you by the way tell how to follow you how to find you how to reach out to you how to read all your books yeah please uh, i mean my book is on amazon uh, i'm on linkedin i'm on tiktok uh, i'm on twitter and uh, or x as it's now called uh, you can reach me on my uh, on my website rts.io and uh, taking your your advice anatoly i am also launching a podcast and anatoly i would be honored if you would be my guest too nice and uh, yeah that, that's how you can find me uh, and thank you very much for having me i've had a lot of fun yeah a big pleasure valuable and fun guys i recommend to anyone to follow andreas on social media you can find all links in the description below please read books because you can see you can get a lot of valuable insights i put all books uh, to my list, you know, so yeah, uh, especially SEO uh, driven, uh, data driven. Yeah, how, how uh, one more time, how this book is called? Uh, data driven SEO. Data driven SEO, sorry for that, but yeah, I put to my list because, you know, I have a huge list of books that I need to read. <laughs> I have no <laughs> so time to read all of them, but I, I'm going to do it because I know it's important to get more skills. Okay, guys, love you. See you. 
Thanks for listening to this entire podcast. Please rank your experience in Apple, Spotify, Google, or any other platforms that you may use. Also, please share your ranking mark on chat at seotools.tv to get a special gift. We'll see you soon on other valuable audio podcasts.